Hello there, this is Tom Mess. I am the author of the book Iron Man, the cinema of Shinya Tsukamoto. And you and I are watching The Adventures of Denshu Kozo, which I will be talking all the way through. And I will be talking not only all the way through this film, but through another six films in this rather wonderful Blu-ray set of Tsukamoto's films. Uh, a set which contains about half I would say of all the films he made um, but you know if this set sells well the other half may well follow i've recorded the audio commentaries on this set uh, in chronological order so that on each film i can refer back to what i said on previous tracks and also i can refer forward uh, for instance with that peculiar opening title you just saw the great analog world um, great spelled G-R-E-A-T-E. -E. Um, the implications of that particular little title, uh, mysterious uh, phrase, I will actually discuss in my commentary track for Tetsuo the Iron Man, rather than here. Um, I would say it also makes a lot of sense to, uh, to, for me to do these, these commentaries in sequence, um, particularly on a set of Shinya Tsukamoto's films, since his works uh, show such a really neat evolution from film to film, uh, which is largely thanks to the fact that he is and uh, was and remains a very staunchly independent filmmaker who is uh, committed to bringing his vision to the screen. And his films are rarely compromised in the sense that uh, films often are, especially Hollywood films, for example, uh, industry studio-made films, since in Tsukamoto's case, there's no producers or executives above him telling him what to do. So it's his vision. And also for every film he makes, uh, uh, he starts from his own original ideas. So you can see these kind of like quite neat developments happening from film to film. There's a kind of evolution uh, going on in terms of uh, what kinds of themes and what kinds of topics he is interested in and what sort of styles and methods he uses to express these with. So, this is Denchu Kozo, a film that he made, The Adventure of Denchu Kozo, a film he made when he was 27. Um, he at the time uh, had been working for a while for a company that made, it was like a commercial production company, a company that shot like corporate videos and, and te television commercials. Um, was still living with his parents at the time. Um, he was kind of sort of like not quite clear, at least for his parents, it wasn't quite clear what he was going to do with his life. I guess his father was happy that he had a stable job and his father had also worked in advertising. But Kamoto had other ideas, actually. Which is basically, his idea was to continue making films. Um, he had made um, films on a shot on 8mm, 8mm just like this film. Um, the first one he shot at the age of, eight, age of 14, so when he was a middle schooler. Uh, a little movie called uh, um, Mr. Primitive, uh, which starred his younger brother Koji Tsukamoto, who would later become the main actor of uh, Tokyo Fist. 
And he made a series of these films, basically one every year or so, and the last one he made at the age of 18 when he was in university. And then we'd, we'd be in the late 70s, 1979. And uh, he was kind of, uh, with that final film, he felt he was kind of disappointed. And uh, I think the last film that he made took him a year to make. And uh, he had shown some of his films to others, but had not really received any consistent feedback, certainly not any critical feedback. And he felt he was not really improving from film to film, so he gave up making movies. And making movies in the 1970s as an amateur 8mm film was certainly not an unusual thing to do in Japan in that part, at uh, that time. Um, because 8mm film cameras had become essentially consumer electronics, so anyone with a normal income could afford them. And that led to uh, a lot of experimental and amateur filmmaking, also because at the time, we're talking 19, late 60s and into the 70s now, uh, anyone who wanted to get into filmmaking could not get a job at a film studio anymore because the film studios had stopped making films for the most part. And if they hadn't stopped today, it had become uh, very picky at, at hiring new recruits. So it was getting really difficult to, to get a career in filmmaking, but still, of course, there's a lot of people who love film and they want to make films and then the fact that you could have a proper film camera even if it was only eight millimeter it was still film it was celluloid um, meant that you know people started to young people especially started to experiment making making little movies home movies and um, that really sort of like went into kind of a maelstrom and picked up momentum um, around 77, 78, with uh, the start of the PIA Film Festival. PIA was a kind of cultural listings magazine. And uh, they started their own festival specifically for all these people that were unknown and were making their films. And among them were quite a few uh, talented people. So PIA, PIA Corporation decided to launch this festival. And uh, anyone in Japan could, could send in their, their little amateur films, the little amateur fiction films. And there would be a competition and proper professional filmmakers would be on the jury and they would select uh, the winner. And so, you know, it's about the late 70s and into the 80s that becomes a sort of a thing because the PF Film Festival is annual and it's still being held today. Obviously, very few people shoot 8mm films these days. It's mostly digital video, obviously. Um, so it became a thing. A regular thing. And uh, Tsukamoto had basically given up on filmmaking when the PIA Film Festival started in the late 70s. But of course it picked up for a while and then uh, around 86 Tsukamoto was sort of feeling like he wanted to get into filmmaking again. So in that seven years he'd gone to university and after graduating from university he'd worked for this company called ED Production shooting commercials and uh, most memorable ones of which is a, a, a series he made, commercials he made for Nikon cameras in 1984, which starred Latoya Jackson. And uh, if you are very smart and handy with YouTube, you can probably find them on there. So uh, while he was working there, he felt like he wanted to get back to making these amateur films again that he had been doing as a, as a teenager. So he made a sort of like a, a test movie called The Phantom of Regular Size. Now, this film is often mentioned as kind of 
uh, Tsukamoto's sort of debut film. It's often described as a blueprint for Tetsuo the Iron Man. Um, it, it turned out to be an 18 millimeter film, uh, sorry, 18 minute film, an eight millimeter film, but 18 minutes in, in length. And it was sort of a, a chance for Tsukamoto to reacquaint himself with filmmaking uh, on this format and also to sort of like test things. Of course, he was much more uh, familiar with making films simply from shooting commercials. Um, so he made that, uh, that little movie and, uh, and he shot it very quickly, he said, very uncharacteristically because before and after his films would often take a lot of time. And um, he kind of liked it and uh, decided to do something else, an extra film, and that became The Adventure of Denchu Kozo. Uh, now, the reason why Phantom of Regular Size is not on this set is very simple, because uh, since it was a test, it was never meant to be screened publicly. And so Tsukamoto used especially a lot of music cues that he never got uh, permission for. So Phantom of Regular Size is full of bits and pieces of music that some of you may recognize, like there's some stuff from Public Image Limited and you name it. It's uh, very interesting from a, a historical perspective and a critical perspective because it tells you what uh, sort of thing he was into at the time. But it cannot officially be shown. So that's why it is not in this Blu-ray set. And so therefore the earliest proper film in his filmography that Tsukamoto, as Tsukamoto prefers it is this film, The Adventure of Denchu Kozo. Which um, he entered into the PIA Film Festival and it won in 1988. It won the grand prize, the top prize. And the jury at the time included some pretty heavyweight names. Uh, Nagisa Oshima was the president of the jury at the time. And two other uh, names worth mentioning of the jury members include Shusuke Kaneko, who of course became famous with uh, reinventing the, the kaiju films with his Gamera movies in the 1990s. And another one was Takashi Ichise, who would later become famous for being the producer of uh, Ring and a lot of other J-horror films. And uh, uh, particularly uh, Ichise and Kaneko were uh, very strongly behind giving the grand prize to Denchu Kozo because it, was, because it had real entertainment value. It's fun to watch, which is certainly not always the case with uh, amateur filmmaking. You know, it's not the usual two people in a room talking. Um, but the reason why it's so much fun is because this is not the first time that Tsukamoto made this story. Because he may not have been making films for a long time, but in the meantime, in those years that passed in between, he had been doing a lot of theatre. And that started when he was in, uh, in, uh, in high school, where he uh, organized uh, sort of like a theatre troupe with, with like-minded souls that he called the Yume Maru, the Dream Circle. And it's at that time that he first did a stage version of what would become the adventure of Denchu Kozo. Um, and then uh, when in round 86, so just kind of just before Phantom of Regular Size, he started a new troupe which he called Kaiju Theatre, which would eventually become the name of his film production company. Um, this was from the summer of 1986, and um, they also did a, a version, a much more refined version of the adventure of Denchu Kozo. In fact, uh, they performed it in, during that summer of 86 
for three months, every weekend and every holiday. And that was preceded already by six months of rehearsal three times a week. Um, so you can imagine they were, by the time they were done with the play, performing the play, uh, they were really, they really knew what they were doing. Also, they had built these really elaborate sets and costumes and that uh, made Scamotto think that he might want to make a film version. And so he did Phantom of Regular Size to reacquaint himself with film. But the point, he said, was to make a film version of Denju Kozo, just in order to preserve, because of course theater is, is, uh, is ephemeral. And you can, of course, record theater, but he wanted to make a proper movie to really bring out as best as possible everything that they had put so much time and effort into. And so uh, to make this film and then immediately, almost immediately afterwards, uh, Tetsuo, Tsukamoto decided to quit his job. Um, so he was, he had been, uh, his father was not happy at all and kicked him out of the house. So Tsukamoto was uh, living alone and uh, uh, in a tiny little room, uh, was at his lowest ebb at the time, as he said, when he suddenly heard that the Pia Film Festival had uh, selected his film and shortly after that he won the grand prize. So. Of course, the funny thing is that, you know, being 27 when he made this, this film, um, he was quite a bit older than most of the other filmmakers in the Pia competition, um, which are mostly high schoolers and university students. So he kind of felt out of place. Um, and just to illustrate that, uh, Takashige Ichise, who was a jury member, was actually one year younger than Tsukamoto. So, all of that background, of course, we are well into the movie by now. Um, we have met, we started out with the present day, where, uh, the, where the boy with the electricity pole, just to make it clear, Denchu Kozo, the meaning of that is uh, the boy with the electricity pole. Yeah, so like a utility pole. Sometimes this film has been translated as the adventure of electric rod boy. But uh, a utility pole is a, is a more accurate uh, translation of Denchu. And thanks to a freak accident with uh, a, a little self-homemade time machine, he's ended up in the future where uh, Japan is ruled and the world is ruled by uh, a vampire cult. And so we've already met uh, uh, his, his female friend Momo-chan in the present time and now he's gone into the future and he's met Sariba Sensei, uh, his, his fellow combatant in the, the struggle against uh, the vampire despots. Um, both characters are played by the actress Nobu Kanaoka was also in the stage play, close collaborator of Tsukamoto's at the time. And she's really kind of like the, the, both those characters, of course they're the same character in, in two different time frames. They're kind of pr the prototypes of what you might call the Tsukamoto woman, um, which is a, a, a figure that he would notably develop from Tokyo Fist onwards um, uh, through, through Bullet Ballet, uh, in Gemini also, and very, very strongly in Snake of June, where it becomes a very, like a, very much a feminist, almost like a feminist statement. 
And then you go on into uh, Kotoko, a very strong expression of that, and killing as well. Um, in this film, she's a little bit more of a pure character, kind of more like an ideal than a realistic version as, she be, as the character would become later. But even here and, and, and later, she's all, the, the female character, the female protagonist is always more powerful than the males, almost dwarfing them. Even, uh, even the young Momo-chan is already a, a very self-confident and, uh, and a strong fighter. So the actress Nobu Kanaoka appears again in Tetsuo the Iron Man, in which she plays um, the woman um, who on the, uh, the, the train platform transforms into this strange mutant monster and starts chasing the protagonist. And then Tetsuo too, she plays uh, the, well, the, the wife character, which is certainly not quite a feminist uh, statement. In fact, the Tetsuo films are kind of uh, odd ones out in that, in that respect, in Tsukamoto's filmography. So the strong contrast, of course, especially in this particular film, is, is our hero, who is kind of a, a weak and uh, kind of put upon, and who's certainly physically deformed, with that strange pole growing out of his back. That was actually a reflection of Tsukamoto's self-image. Um, Tsukamoto's always seen himself as kind of a, 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 a <laughs> sort of a freak, which is, of course, completely exaggerated. Then again, we're all, almost all of us are more harsh about ourselves than we are, than others are about us. But it's, yeah, in the film it's a kind of an ugly duckling story, you know, it's the, it's the, the odd one out, the ugly one, the deformed, the deformed one that saves the world, and in fact it's, it is his very deformity that saves the world. So he becomes a hero as a result of that. Um, Kamoto has said that uh, one big influence on uh, developing that character and that type of a story was actually the Helen Keller uh, story. And the, the, the young woman who was born uh, uh, blind and, and mute uh, and deaf and who's uh, thanks to the teacher Anne Sullivan and if you if you pronounce Sullivan in a, in a sort of like a Japanese way based on the Japanese uh, uh, alphabet then you, it would be pronounced as Sariban, and that, of course, you know, refers back to the Sariba Sensei character here in this film. So the Helen Keller true story was the uh, kind of prototype for uh, Denchu Kozo. So we're into uh, one of many of these peculiar stop-motion or is it stop motion? No, the basic technique is stop motion. But, um, it's stop motion that, different from uh, the usual style, is uh, with hu using human beings rather than puppets, with a movable camera. So it's kind of a fusion of, of live action and animation. The origin of that style, that sort of like fused mixed style, is kind of unclear. I'm not really sure of any any particular such precedence. Of course, you know, it's, it's, there is stop-motion animation by the likes of people like Jan Schwankmeier, and especially in the use of, of like junk and scrap metal and such things that was a big influence on Tsukamoto developing that style. 
and it's kind of the Tsukamoto is kind of a mix of that and the, and the style of uh, the, the film director Sogo Ishii, the man who made uh, like Burst City and Crazy Thunder Road and Electric Dragon 80,000 volts, who used a lot of undercranking, so fast motion, very rapid editing, handheld camera, you know, very shaky style, and then you mix all that up, um, and it becomes this extremely dynamic style that is often we call the, the, the punk style because so she came out really out of the uh, the punk scene the punk music scene the punk rock scene of the, the late 1970s and uh yeah the, i mean the effects work everything that special effects in in denchu and veteran of denchu kozo and in many cases uh, later films as well is everything is in camera you know everything is basically a camera technique there's no there's no uh, optic not really any optical effects certainly no cg yet so there's uh, yeah there's a stop motion and there's puppeteering and and uh, just a couple of dracula teeth as you can see here so you look at at Skamoto's work, even this very, very early, you can, you can even call it kind of a primitive work, but you see what is possible quite simply with the camera and imagination and then the determination to see it through and to make that real. It's just, uh, you can create anything, you can create complete new worlds just with a camera and a vision. And in that respect, you can see, especially in these early films, real kinship with like a pioneer of cinema like Georges Méliès, you know, who also used uh, the, the inherent possibilities of, of the film camera to create these fantastical worlds. Also a really interesting aspect, I think, about uh, um, the adventure of Denchu Kozo and also Tetsuo the Iron Man, at least the first Tetsuo film, is the use of these suburban locations. Very, very everyday, kind of low-rise, kind of run-down, largely wooden buildings. Um, Kamoto says that this goes back to uh, a TV series called Ultra Q, which is kind of a, a predecessor of what would become Ultraman, uh, something that flowed out of um, uh, the kaiju films, the monster movies, because uh, Ultra Q, uh, all the effects work was done by Tsuburaya Production, who also created Godzilla. And quite often on Ultra Q, they would use this odd uh, juxtaposition of like characters from outer space or big monsters or something supernatural entering a very everyday uh, environment. And sometimes you would see, you know, the monster would be sitting uh, on the floor in, in a common suburban family home. And that's something that ties into Tsukamoto's concept of what he calls a regular size monster. So uh, this film and uh, uh, Tetsuo, also the opening credits, you can see, uh, he says, there's this, the regular size monster series. And so that's the idea of behind uh, having this strange, super, almost supernatural or, or, or extraterrestrial presence in a very everyday surroundings. Um, but what Kamoto does, of course, is he combines that with a fair bit of eroticism and fetishism, uh, which uh, here is uh, 
incorporated, um, symbolized by the actress Kei Fujiwara, who plays uh, Eve, you know, the human-machine hybrid, uh, who, is, who is incubating the, uh, the atom special, the bomb, <laughs> the half-organic bomb that's going to block out the sun from the earth and guarantee the eternal rulership of the, the vampires. Uh, now, Kei Fujiwara is a very important figure in the early Tsukamoto works because um, she too came from Tsukamoto's theater plays, uh, played a very important role there in helping to, uh, to uh, bring about realizing Tsukamoto's vision, also bringing a lot of her own ideas. Uh, I think she and Tsukamoto have very similar inspirational backgrounds. Both are really into alternative theater. In fact, Kei Fujiwara and her husband Kenji Nasa, who appears in, in The Adventure of Denchu Kozo as the, um, the past, the past uh, Denchu Kozo, the man who comes back from the Edo period, we'll see him later. Uh, he's played by Kenji Nasa, the husband of Kei Fujiwara. Both of them were ex-members of um, the Red Tent group, which was led by a legendary figure in underground theater from the 60s and 70s, uh, Mr. Judo Kara, whose name I'm going to mention a number of times throughout these various commentaries on this set. Uh, so, uh, Kei Fujiwara and, uh, and Shinya Tsukamoto had uh, quite a few interests and, and inspirations in common, so I think that allowed them to really uh, understand each other and, and, and it's like a one plus one is three sort of situation. And uh, all everything you're seeing here, all the interior scenes uh, of this, this vampire home base, is actually shot in the boarding house uh, where Kei Fujiwara and Kenji Nasa lived at the time. The apartment next to theirs uh, was empty, and that's why they shot all this stuff. And uh, the house, uh, the bigger house around it, was scheduled for demolition, so <laughs> it was kind of easy for them to go in and screw things up and make a big mess in the name of making this wonderful film. Uh, however, it took them six months to make The Adventure of Denchu Kozo. Um, this was almost right after The Phantom of Regular Size, even though The Phantom of Regular Size was shot uh, partial, uh, partially here and partially in the, the office where Tsukamoto was working at the time. And right after Denchu Kozo, essentially they went more or less straight into making Tetsu the Iron Man, also in the Fujiwara and Nasa's apartment and in the same building. So you had the same location. Most of the cast and crew were the same from film to film. And since they were always working on it, most of them just stayed there overnight. So you can imagine the kind of tensions you get if you have this whole group of people getting together for months, even what would even become years on end on these film productions. And there was quite a bit of uh, attrition. Here we have Kenji Nasa, yeah. the, uh, the, the previous period's uh, Tenchu Kozo. So uh, yeah, there was quite a bit of attrition by the time that they were making Tetsu the Iron Man, so I will talk about that uh, on that particular commentary. And uh, I'm not sure if you noticed, but the three uh, actors who play 
the vampires. Um, one of them is Tsukamoto himself, the other is uh, Tomoro Taguchi, who would become Tetsuo. Uh, the third is someone who has been sort of a drop, who was, one the, let's say, one of the victims of the attrition. Um, and they also play the three bullies at the beginning of the film. So, this scene with uh, the previous Denshikozo, he says like he came from the Edo period um, in order to find his, his successor. Um, this character is, uh, in Tsukamoto's eyes, Ryoma Sakamoto who, uh, if you're not familiar with Japanese history, was uh, one of the modernist, the great figureheads of modernist reformation at the very end of the samurai period. He was one of the people who uh, fought, not only fought for the restoration of the emperor and uh, the end of the, of the shogun samurai system, but also uh, was one of the people who designed sort of like what that should look like, what sort of, what sort of state that should be. And um, if he was one of the main figures historically on the side of restoring the power to the emperor, then uh, the opposite side, meaning those that wish to conserve samurai and shogun rulership, those who wish to conserve the Tokugawa shogunate, they were the Shinsengumi, uh, which was a kind of militia made up of samurai, and but also like farmers and such who, who, who wanted to join them who never in the past could because there was very strict class uh, class uh, uh, distinction in Edo society but now those lower caste people felt like they had a chance to also become samurai so they joined this militia and speaking of eroticism and fetishism look at all the little cutouts and posters on the wall there um, so they were the Shinsengumi militia with various factions around the, around the, the country and in this film it is the, the vampire cult which is called the Shinsengumi so it's kind of a logical uh, uh, moving that that concept that that idea of those two sides and those enemies and then moving it into the future fantasy scenario that Skamoto was doing on this film and in fact of course if you watch Killing on this set, um, that is that film is actually set as a historic drama during that period, at the very end of uh, the samurai period, the Edo era, and it's Kamoto's character there is on his way to the capital, to Edo, to join the Shinsengumi. So there's a very direct link there between the oldest film in this set, which is the Adventure of Denchu Kozo. And the most recent film, which is Killing, which at the time I'm recording all of these, uh, these commentaries, is still the most recent film made by Tsukamoto. So, and here we have the emergence, the first time for the actual Tetsuo costume, um, which they had built for uh, the Phantom of Regular Size, and now comes back as, uh, as the fusion of, uh, of even Adam, you know, the fusion of Kei Fujiwara's character and, uh, and the machine that she is wired into, which has now been completed, but not entirely correctly because one of the vampires couldn't resist his own urges. Ah, ah, ah. 
Especially now when this, you know, this strange new character, this biomechanical creature comes to life. It's absolutely quite amazing. You know, the effort, the dedication and the soul they put into this. And he's this odd little puppet, which of course is very alien inspired. And to think that, you know, they've been doing this after several years of doing theater plays, very, very dedicated, very steadily. And then onto that, going into Tetsu the Iron Man, and then it's Kamoto from there continuing more or less by himself, but continuing essentially constantly. It's, it's astonishing. This guy, um, simply as a filmmaker, as a phenomenon of, as a creative artist. Still today, after, after having written the book, and the book, as I record this, as you know, was published 15 years ago, and still I'm blown away going back to, uh, to these early works and seeing how amazing they are. How much of himself and all these people he worked with, how much is in there, how much they put into that. So now Denji Kuzo has realized that Sariwa Sensei and uh, his friend Momo-chan are the same person. And we're about to get, he's about to get another surprise because he's going to meet his own daughter, at least the daughter of him and Momo-chan. The daughter again will be played by the same actress Nobu Kanaoka. It's really wonderful that she has, basically she plays uh, three versions of the same uh, the same character, well, twice the same character, and once the daughter of that character. And each of those performances is very different. And in each, and in each, each, each incarnation, she, then, you know, the costumes and the hair and the makeup is very different and becomes a very different sort of like expression. They, they, they each have their own personality. <laughs> It's very interesting to see here too that it's uh, it's his emotions that have to come from inside. Then Chikozo then really formed uh, the key to uh, to winning the battle. You can find this again actually in the, in the, the Tetsuo films. It's a similar situation. Here the nude scene by Kei Fujiwara speaking of uh, dedication. And remember, this is just uh, uh, you know a bunch of amateurs getting together and making having fun making a movie, but clearly. In the case of Fujiwara and Skamoto, as I already pointed out, uh, that dedication was very, very serious. They were not just, you know, screwing around with the camera, having fun. To them, they were really seriously making plays and really seriously making films. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, of course, I talked about the attrition of working together with many people in the, uh, for a long time in a very small and the same location. <laughs> 
Of course, the first people that left were the people who did think it was they were just there for the, for fun, who didn't nearly take it as seriously as, as Kamoto and Fujiwara and Kanaoka did. And I've been on the set of, of Kamoto's film several times, and I see I've seen what he what he turns into essentially. The change you see here in Denju Kozo when he becomes now, when he's realized his power. And he looks like really, really angry and amazingly intense. That can happen to Tsukamoto on the film set. Uh, in daily life, he's uh, uh, extremely humble and extremely uh, well-mannered and, and friendly. But he has this very explosive side to him. And um, that's also something that he likes to see in the people he works with. And of course, that also causes trouble, but sometimes that also leads to a lifelong collaboration such as with Tomoro Taguchi, here one of the vampires and uh, next uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man himself, who um, at the time of course he was an actor already, bit, you know, a little bit dabbling in acting, he'd been in a few feature films, uh, including uh, uh, Robinson's Garden by uh, one of the Kind of, you could say, the predecessors of Tsukamoto, Masashi Yamamoto, one of, the, one of those punk filmmakers like Sogoishi. But Tomoro, Tomoro Taguchi was uh, mostly known as a singer for a punk band called Bachi Kaburi. And his performances on stage were also very explosive. And, uh, but again, like Tsukamoto offstage, he's, he's a very uh, friendly and mild-mannered person. So, in fact, uh, the, the style that he, you know, the style of clothing and the, and the look that he has on the Tetsuo films, uh, you know, just the black suit basically looks like an office worker and, and the glasses he wears, he even wears the glasses here as a vampire. That's, uh, that's uh, Taguchi's everyday attire, at least at that time. So Bachi Kaburi, the band, Taguchi's band, had uh, one kind of a hit song called Only You, which will play over the closing credits of this film. So, Sakamoto, Ryoma Sakamoto is back from Edo period, and even though he's from the Edo period, he has a very contemporary <laughs> utility pole in his back. Of course, utility poles you can see all around. The streets, you can see it right in the back there, in the background. And you can see them uh, everywhere on the streets in Japan, even to this day. And that's been, uh, uh, and they've been used a very, in very interesting ways in, in, in cinema uh, over the years. Uh, especially in the so-called occult boom of, uh, of the 1970s and into the early 80s. You see that used a lot. There's a movie called uh, Tokyo Last Megalopolis, you may have heard of it. Taite Monogatari, in which those are also used as a kind of a, a, a ploy in the, in the evil plot to take over the country and the, and the world. So here's the appearance of uh, The daughter, the daughter of Momo-chan and, uh, and uh, 
Then she goes on. And she comes from the future, even further future. So as you can see, Tsumoto sort of had this concept of um, society and the earth being threatened at, uh, at various eras. So the previous era was the Edo period. And uh, the current era, era we're in is, is like the near future. And then the daughter comes from a slightly more distant future. So the vampire, the vampire as a, as a symbol of evil is more like a you know, very uh, so archetypal type of evil. We always have to f fight for our, for our freedoms and our liberties and always have to be active in, in defending them. Otherwise, they, we might well notice that they have disappeared entirely. Which is a lesson to heed in our current political climate. And then from there, from the glimpse of the, of the distant future, we go back into the, the present and uh, Benchikozo returns to his own time and reunites with uh, his uh, best friend Umochan, of course, knowing that she is uh, destined to be his wife and the mother of their daughter. Which kind of turns the film into a rather satisfying love story as well. So in terms of, it's not just, you know, lots of, lots of silliness and uh, very well-made silliness and strange fantasy, but, uh, you know, in terms of the narrative storytelling-wise, it's also a very satisfying and very well executed film, I would say. So all those, uh, all those components combined and contributed, of course, to this film winning the grand prize at the Pia Film Festival in 1988. <laughs> Now, normally, if you win the PIA Film Festival, you, you receive the PIA Scholarship, uh, which means you get a certain amount of money to make your next film. And the PIA Film Festival will act as a kind of a executive producer on that, will help you make your next film. And Skamoto had a plan to adapt a children's book called Torigoras, uh, an illustrated book by an author named Shuhei Hasegawa. Uh, which is about uh, a boy who dreams that the, the, the noise of the wind is, a, is a, the, the flapping wings of a giant monster bird. So very close to his Tsukamoto's love of the, the kaiju films. Um, so he wanted to license this book to make it into a film and uh, there were four people from the PR corporation delegated as producers and they had to negotiate with the writer which took a lot of time and the writer lost patience and he pulled out. And in the meantime, uh, Tsukamoto had already been making Tetsuo uh, during the... <laughs> so while he was making Tetsuo, which took a year and a half, that negotiation went dragged on and failed. And so Tsukamoto said, well, I will make Tetsuo too. And Pia said, no, thank you. And then, uh, at the same time, he had, Tomato had received an offer to direct a movie called Hiruko the Goblin from an outside company. And that's one of the films that is not in this box set, but who knows? Uh, if you have paid your money to listen to me, <laughs> then uh, there's a good chance that it may still happen. 
So Hiroko the Goblin became Tsukamoto's second feature after Tetsuo. And uh, so we're in the closing credits and a very fun little animation of all kinds of uh, utility pole people, various characters that are like Denchu Kozo, various types of characters as well. Very funny, very cute and kind of naive drawings, which is very Tsukamoto-like. Um, even that style even pops up in some of his some of his later films as well. So I hope you've enjoyed the commentary, found it interesting, and uh, I'll be I'll be babbling on again during Tetsuo the Iron Man, and uh, hope to be speaking to you there and then. So thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>